What's up, folks of Gator Country? This is none other than your boy, David Soderquist, along with Andrew Spivey. And Andrew, I'm just going to go ahead and cut to the chase, man. Uh, I, I do see the smile on your face a little bit. Dan Mullen, excommunicated, fired, out of there, like a solar home run, right? Um, I never like to celebrate a man getting fired. Not for $12 million? Uh-oh. Nine for twelve million dollars, but my God, will somebody hire me and fire me for and tell me to quit doing my job for twelve million dollars? Because uh, I'll do it. Don't worry, <laughs> I'll take the negative publicity and the bad tweets and everything else. If you want to give me twelve million dollars to send me back into City Hall, do it. I'm sure. I'm sure. Dan's and not only that, pretty well. Off. But Dan's going to get a new job and get more money on top of that twelve million dollars. Yeah, he is. It looks like um, we've seen our uh, old boy Coach Hevesy down there at the uh, Jacksonville Jaguar uh, Stadium. Poor there. Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, I poor know. Trevor Lawrence. He's probably sitting there praying, like, "Please, Coach, don't don't hire this guy." Like, no. I, here's the thing for me: it'll be interesting because I don't know that Urban can afford to hire these guys. Um, and I, and I say that because, I mean, granted, his job's not on the line, but right. things aren't going well for him right now in the first place. So what does, you know, what does bringing in some of his buddies do? And, and here's the thing, too. Remember this. Urban Urban demoted John Hevesy before whenever he was there and brought a Dazio to, you know, to take over the play call. I mean, the uh, most of the offensive line and, and the offensive line recruited because he knew how bad John Hennessy was. Now, John Hennessy don't have to recruit, so maybe he does okay. Um, just keep him away from uh, from Atlanta. Yeah. That's all I care about. I don't need him. I don't need him at, in Flower Branch uh, uh, coaching my Falcons. He's not going to be able to cop an attitude with those grown-ass men out there. Cops one of them and you know pull some of his stunts and uh, somebody might be laying on their back. Yeah, and I don't think it'll be the players. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, it was reported this Sunday that Dan Mullen was officially terminated. There was a players meeting at one thirty. After that, Scott Strickland came on at three o'clock and was talking about his next coaching hire in a press conference, and he said basically he wanted longevity, somebody that was going to work hard, and somebody that was going to be here. Pretty much for a long time. And yeah, and he hit on three keys. A guy who could um, build a coaching staff or build a program is what he said and build a, and, and recruit people to, um, to work with him, I believe is what it was. And then he said, and someone that is able to build a team. Um, and then he, and then he had another quote where he said uh, uh, about recruiting uh, needing somebody to build recruiting, uh, and a, and a line stuck out to me, David, in the in the Strickland comments, our press conference, where he said, despite the wins, some things behind the scenes were still going on that showed us it was unraveling. Yep. So what that says is everything we've talked about has been going on, and it's been going on, you know, pretty good. Uh, yeah, I will say this. Scott Strickland's full of it when he says he just decided to fire him after the South or after the Missouri game. After the South Carolina game, he knew Dan was gone. They fired Hevesy and Grantham to try to take some heat off Dan for the next three weeks. 
And then Sanford came and it really got bad. And then Missouri came and you lost and it really got bad. And here's another thing. He loved the program so much, but he wouldn't coach the Florida State game. Yeah, exactly. I don't like that. I don't I don't like that a bit. Yeah, my thing is like he said he didn't want to further be a distraction for the team. Um I I've seen coaches get fired. Let's let's say Will Muschamp, he did it. Um Ron Zook did it. Uh a lot of other Florida coaches before they were fired. Ed Ogeron did it. Did it. Ed Ogeron currently just now just did it. Finished the season even though his his staff and students and everybody knew he was going to be fired, he finished the season. But he had so much of an ego that he didn't want everybody to go out there and see him as an already fired as a head coach to go coach one more game for his seniors that he so-called loves and, and, and cherishes so much. Says, no, I don't want to be a distraction. It's okay. It's the last game of the season. Y'all can go out there, explore the state, and be uh, coached by Greg Knox out there, uh, one of the guys that <laughs> loves to rotate his running backs, and hopefully he won't be rotating quarterbacks. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's a different story well, for a different you day. Know, but- I was uh... – Dan Mullen released his comments after the or statement after being let go, and you know my wife, my wife doesn't really we don't we don't talk very much football, uh, very very much, especially Florida, just because I mean we I do this twenty four seven seven days a week. I don't uh, you know I don't really care to talk about it with my wife, but she said uh, she came up to me and she said, uh, "Did you read his?" Uh, press release and I said no I didn't because to me he was fired and what I need to read it for and I said no why and she said that was the most egotistical statement I've ever seen in my life and she said all he did was brag on himself yeah never and she said eat a piece of humble pie for a change buddy yeah and and people wonder why we're so hard on Dan Mullen outside on on social media Twitter is because he doesn't He can't admit his wrongs. He can't do anything. He's kind of a narcissistic kind of guy. And one of those key factors of a narcissist is never admitting to when they're wrong, always thinking they're above everybody else. And they basically lie to themselves mentally and thinking that they're above anything that comes their way. And what I didn't like about that letter is he was talking about, yeah, I, I, I would like to thank Florida for my two national championships, my three New Year's Six Bowl wins, Never yeah. said anything out. It was a very short letter. It wasn't like a long letter at all. It's a very short letter. And it right. was shortened to the point, but like not one person did he think but himself. Here's the thing. I didn't know there was banners in the or or you know, logos or whatever in the in the swamp saying, Hey, you went to a New Year's Six Bowl. Yeah. Uh, I re- I remember when Jim McElwain had the uh SEC East Champs and that was quickly taken down. We don't celebrate SEC East Championships. <laughs> We celebrate SEC championships. We don't you celebrate sure don't, You sure don't, uh, you know, uh, celebrate going to a New Year's Six Bowl. Whoop-de-doo-doo. Who and cares? losing. And yeah. Get, <laughs> and getting blown uh, out by Oklahoma. Yeah. Just, uh, I don't know. I mean, um, I, I'm, I'm not going to – I've said a lot about this and uh, on, the, on the message boards, and if you haven't read it, I kind of laid out some things that – um, what went wrong under Dan Mullen? And, you know, I, I think those comments will speak for itself. Um, the the Gator program, I think, is in a better place now than it was. Yeah, definitely. Even with the recruiting class the way that it is, uh, we actually did get a commit from uh, McClellan there, a uh, top 100 defensive tackle, Chris McClellan. Um, so that's a good sign. I mean, you know, he it looked like he was coming to Florida before Dan Mullen left anyway. 
Uh, I don't want to give Dan Mullen credit for that, though. We'll just say that the we'll say Greg Knox got him. How about that? <laughs> well, I, I think too. You know, when you when you look at that, that's uh, that's a little bit of a situation where his top choice is Oklahoma, and uh, Oklahoma wasn't ready to take him. Um, and and he liked Florida, and he understands that at Florida he is going to to play. He's going to play early. I mean, you think outside of Gervin Dexter. What defensive tackles proven anything at this, uh, you know, on this on this team? Uh, Valentino, Truesdale, and Newkirk are gone. Yeah, yeah, and, and credit to I guess Valentino and some of those transfers that came in. I know one of them came in Saturday and then had to play Monday, which was not a lot of preparation to uh, get acquainted right. with all the training and all that. So I give one of them a pass for that. Uh, I, I don't yeah. think that's kind of fair to. But again, they're transfers. Right. Good teams don't let good players leave. Right. Let's yeah, look no. at some let's 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 uh move on here. Let's talk about some replacements because that's that's where our focus is. Dan Mullins took up enough of our life that um he don't deserve anymore. Uh the sure. name with the most heat or smoke around him is Billy Napier. Mr. Louisiana Lafayette. In my opinion, it is a home run hire. It is a great hire. Um, I was talking to someone before we started taping this podcast who actually coached with Billy um, and said, you know, I've heard that the morale is down in the dumps in, in Gainesville. And he said, uh, the one thing, uh, the one thing that is going to be good at Florida is he's going to get morale up and he's going to make morale go from zero to a hundred very, very quickly. And he said that that's a big, and he said recruiting is going to go very well under Billy Napier. And he said, the one thing about Billy Napier is outside of Nick Saban, who he worked for, Billy Napier was the most detail oriented person he'd ever been around. He said he evaluates everything and he thinks everything over. uh, And that that is a big thing with Billy Napier. And for me, that's big because I think this culture at Florida is bad. Um, it's the most disorganized, you know, place probably in the SEC, maybe even over Vandy, where there's 50 million messages coming out of this place. Um, so a guy like Bill Napier, in my opinion, would be great. So he doesn't evaluate like Dan Mullen does then, right? He didn't have his own evaluation system. No, he doesn't. Yeah, um, so – I actually was on social media a little bit, and a um, buddy of mine, David Waters, you know him. I talk about him all the time on here. He's one of my best friends, one of my best buddies, has a great podcast, Gators Breakdown. He was actually in a Twitter space earlier last week, and he was talking to a guy named Josh that happened to just join Twitter space because he wanted to see what was up because it said Napier, and, and obviously Napier is over at Louisiana Lafayette right now, and he does the Raging Cajun podcast. And he was in there listening, and he had requested to talk. And so he was talking about, you know, Billy Napier as well. And he went into real big detail. And I can't remember every single detail, but I can remember the gist of it. He said, that's a guy that's going to go into your program. He is very detail-oriented, like you said. Uh, He's very respectful, uh, you know, wants to recruit, wants to work. He'll stay in his office for 18 hours a day to, to get whatever he can. And he wants a staff around him that will do the same thing. So right then and there, that is a night and day difference from Dan Mullen. Um, you know, if a guy can sit in his office for 18 to 20 hours, I'll let him have a vacation if he's getting me some recruits here at the University of Florida. I ain't going to let him um, 
But those are the type of guys that don't take vacations. Those are hard workers. Those are guys that want to succeed at a program. And Billy Napier, as far as when it was first announced that Billy Napier might be a candidate, I didn't really, like, I knew a little bit about him, but I didn't really know a lot. So I went on, and, and guys, if you go on YouTube, go look up, like, some Louisiana Lafayette uh, promo videos or something like that of him talking to somebody in the locker room. That guy is very, very different from Dan Mullen, and, and very different in a good way. And, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm excited for it. That's the smoke right now, Billy Napier. It looks like now with um, a lot of guys getting extensions and, Aranda looks like he's going to head to LSU. We'll see what happens with that. Um, I heard LSU is still, or Virginia Tech or LSU still might be in the mix, but it doesn't look like that's going to be the case. Um, looks like it's pretty much Florida at this point. So, yeah, hopefully. LSU hasn't uh, um, LSU hasn't contacted Napier um, much yet. Um, he, you know, LSU is. I heard there was a uh, meeting for Napier on Monday for LSU and it got canceled. Is that true? It got canceled. That's correct. Um, Napier feels at LSU that there's too many cooks in the kitchen. Yeah. With decision makers. The one thing Billy Napier wants is he wants to be able to come in and control his program. He doesn't right. want to have to answer to 50 people. Obviously, he has to answer to Scott Strickland, his boss, and he has to answer to President Fox. But he he does not want to answer to 50 million boosters and stuff like that. And, um, and that's a, a, a bad problem right now at LSU. Um, Virginia Tech's real. I mean, he, he, he has a legit interest in Virginia Tech, from what I'm told. Um by people close to it. Um, I do feel like Florida's in the driver's seat there. And yeah. I, I I want to say this, but, but I want to talk more about Billy. But let me say this. I don't know that there – I don't know that it's a good thing that Billy's the only one being talked about because a lot of times that's throwing you off to who the real candidate is. And there may be a real candidate out there that we're getting thrown off by. Um, I hope not. Uh, yeah. Well, I, yes, say that there may be a good one. I mean, Hey, if Lincoln Riley's walking through the door, maybe it's not a bad thing or, you know, crystal ball. Hey, you know, maybe that's not a bad thing, but, um, you know, we'll, we'll see. Uh, I want to hit on Napier. I want to hit on one more thing with Napier real Let's quick. And that is you're going to get a guy who's going to recruit. Like you said, he's the guy that's going to work till midnight, one o'clock in the morning and be back up there at six or seven o'clock in the morning because he's ready to go. He's driven for success. Um, beating Alabama and Kirby are huge to him. Mm. Beating those guys and being that top guy is huge to him. Um, but it's different with his ego and, and Dan's ego. His ego is very, I'm going to handle it on the field, kind of like saving kind of mindset, not be up there, be smug, arrogant at a press conference. Yeah. There's a big difference there. Um, I, I I love the Billy Napier hire. I, I just I, – if, if that's what happens, I love the Billy Napier hire. And I think that Florida raised their expectations, and I think Florida improved dramatically from Dan Mullen to Billy Napier. Yeah, and the press conferences will be a lot more fun now and not um... – getting our questions shut down and, and just dodging everything and giving the same replies like like some guy named uh, Dan. That, yeah. that would be a lot better as well. Well, here's the thing, and I said this on Twitter. 
I could I could care less what 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 is said at press conferences. I could care less. It does not matter to me. I don't have to cover the team at a press conference. I do recruiting. That's Ethan's job. I don't care what he does at press conferences. I could care less. I, to be honest with you, I care less how he treats those the, the the media that's at his press conference. That's that's their problem. But when you hear about how he's treating people behind the scenes, and you know it personally, and you see you've seen the the text messages, you've been told by people, you've heard things. That's what furious infuriates me. That's what makes me not like a person. You know, you, you you can you can be ugly to the media all you want, but the people in your building and the people in the profession is how you treat people. Players who played their heart out for you and you go tell the NFL bad things about them. That speaks on your character. Yeah. That speaks on you because you're supposed to get those guys better men. That speaks on you. Um, when when you when you're telling coaches who have busted their tail for you, you know, cussing them out and saying, you know, they're not doing everybody's job. That's on you. When you lie to a coach about a raise or about a position, it speaks on you. Yeah. And uh, I don't want to harp too much more on it. Um, you know, I, I do like the fact that Billy Napier is the guy that's hopefully coming here to the University of Florida. Um, looks like, from what I've heard, deal might be almost close to done. That's just rumors. That's not it's speculation. It's not true. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, Florida needs that boost right now. Florida's getting killed in recruiting. Been getting killed for the past three, four years since Mullen's been here. Uh, kids not for, yeah. kids not qualifying to or missing out on elite recruits or not sending recruits national letters of intent like Terry and Arnold. Uh, that's all got to stop. And, you know, obviously it has stopped now, and hopefully we can get Billy Napier in here. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's my opinion. I, I, I like it. Uh, it looks like there's, what, a 90% chance he's probably coming here. Uh, I've learned a long time ago. Don't put percentages. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm I mean, a stats uh, guy. So Scott Strickland took five people up to meet Chip Kelly. And you don't <laughs> yeah. take the president and, you know, the finance manager and your media PR person. You don't take those people with you unless you thought something was getting done and it didn't get done. Uh, and, you know, so I, I and again, I am the first one to say I've been through this. This is my fourth one now. Oh, God. You know, when there's smoke on one candidate, a lot of times it's they're throwing you off and there's somebody else they're after. Um, so it, it very well could be true that Billy Napier's the smoke screen and maybe a backup plan or something to somebody else. That that very well may be the case. Um, for a while, I know Bob Suits was a name mentioned. Now he's come out and said, you know, he's good with TV. Um, I do know that Florida was asking him to, you know, guarantee or promise he would stay around for a certain amount of years, and he wasn't exactly keen to that. Hey, I'm that, good with that's that. okay. Yeah, I mean, if you're not willing to stay four or five years, then, hey, you know, don't do it and um, everything else. Uh, I know Luke, Luke Fickle was contacted, and, you know, then that one went – I don't want to say sideways, but it, it went nowhere uh, from both sides. Uh, there was not not the love from Florida that they thought would be there. Uh, um, and then there was um, 
the the thing from Luke. Luke's pretty much set on you know Notre Dame and Ohio State. He wants one of those jobs again. Cool. Uh, so again, if he's a Midwest guy that doesn't want to recruit Florida, hey, better better to know now than in four years. Um, I don't think Lane Kiffin gets called. I've been told that multiple times. I don't think Lane Kiffin gets called. Um, Not a Kiffin guy. Uh, I'm trying to think of of other names. Crystal Ball. I just don't see that working out. Uh, so I mean, there may be that. There very well may be um, somebody um, in a coaching search. There's a lot of unknowns. There's more unknowns than knowns. Yes, and for you Bill and Napier fans out there. Um, I always say good coaches win close games. Go look at his schedule. He's won a lot of close games, and he's found out ways to win football games over there at Louisiana Lafayette, who does not recruit the best talent, but he gets the best out of the talent that he has. And he's actually improved the recruiting classes there, too. If you go look at 24-7 sports or rivals or whatever recruiting site you like to look at, go look at Louisiana Lafayette's recruiting classes from before when he was there till after. They're dramatically improved and increased. So, yeah. That's all I got, man. Uh, I don't want to concentrate too much on the coaching search here because we still got a preview for here for the Florida State Seminoles. You ready, Spivey? Yeah, I mean, uh, Greg Knox talked on Monday, and um, and then quickly after he talked in that practice, Emory Jones goes down with a with an ankle injury, and yep. uh, uh, Anthony Richardson's going to be the guy on Saturday, and uh, with Del Rio Wilson and Kitna behind him, um, so it'll be uh, you know it'll it'll be good. It'll be good to see. I you know I said this and. Um, I didn't like the rotating end of the quarterbacks, um, but also Anthony Richardson didn't get a fair shape by having to, you know, against go against the number one uh, defense in the country um, um, against um, Georgia. So what does he do against Florida State, who's not as good of a team? That's that's my thing. Um, he earns that shot if he's healthy. Um, hopefully he's healthy. Hopefully he's ready to go. It uh, gives you a boost. Uh, Garrett McGee is going to call plays. I said this to you before we got on the air. It'll be interesting to see what Garrett McGee does as a play caller. Yeah. Is he conservative? Um, you know, is he aggressive? Uh, does he come out and try to take some shots against Florida State? Um, how does he How does he interact in this game? Um, you know, you don't have Dan Mullen calling plays or John Havasey calling plays. It's Garrett McGee. Um, every play caller has their own way of doing things, and especially – you know, it'd be different if McGee was calling plays and Dan Mullen was still the head coach because he'd have that, um, you know, kind of mind over him. But this is McGee's game plan. He had to design it. He had to go through it. So it'll be interesting just to kind of see what kind of play caller he is and what kind of game plan he puts together uh, for Richardson and, and, and the rest of the offense. Yep. And this will be the 65th meeting for the Florida Gators and the Seminoles. Florida leads the all-time series here, 36 wins to 26 losses and two ties. Florida is currently carrying a two-game winning streak as Florida did not play Florida State last year due to COVID and the all-SEC schedule. All this would lead up to this Saturday at noon with a team led by the undisputed and undefeated 1-0 head coach, Mr. Greg Knox. So, Spivey, do you feel that Knox will be undefeated after this Saturday? Mm. Uh, yeah, I do. Um, I think Florida comes out with a little bit of energy on Saturday. Um, 
I heard that the morale was, you know, down under Mullen and, you know, the pressure of, of that was there. So I do, I think they, I think they can come out. Uh, you know, this is a senior class that has been no bowl game every year. Um, you know, they're, they're probably itching to get back to a, a bowl game where they actually get to enjoy a bowl week. Um, they didn't get to enjoy bowl week last last year because of COVID. I mean, I think they got there a day or two beforehand, and there was no bowl activity. So uh, that'll be good for this class. I, I think they do. Um, I think it's probably more important for Florida State um, simply because, you know, that they're in the uh, – trying to be the up-and-coming team, as in Florida is now, you know, reversing back to having a new head coach. Um, so it'll be, it'll be a good game, I think. Uh, I'm interested to see how the crowd is in the swamp. I hope it's good. These seniors deserve for it to be good. These seniors deserve uh, to go out on a high note, and these seniors deserve the fans to root for them. You know, I have to like the coaching staff. Most of them will probably be gone or will be gone. Uh, so you don't have to, you know, be there for them. Be there for the class. Be there for the for the rest of the guys. Some of the guys, you know, who may leave early as well. Yeah, for one night only, man. Another Greg Knox. And the last time Greg Knox had coached a game, he beat Lamar Jackson when he was the Mississippi State interim head coach when Dan Mullen was on his way to the University of Florida. Yeah. So what an accolade to have, right? <laughs> yeah. Beating Lamar uh, Jackson. He talks about that a little bit, too. In his presser, yeah. I, hey, listen. If you're uh, if you're if you're um, Greg Knox, I talk about it too. Lamar Jackson was, uh, yeah. was having a phenomenal year that year, so uh, yeah, decent you know, year in the to, NFL now too. Yeah. Uh, well, until he was sick, was sick last week or something, I think. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Um, yeah. Again, we'll see. Uh, FSU is just an average football team. They're 82nd in the country in uh, in uh, scoring or in total offense, only 382 yards a game. Florida's at 480. Um, they're only averaging 28 points a game. Florida's averaging 32. Um, so you know we'll see. Defensively, they're giving up 26 points a game. So um, I asked you this question before, but which defense shows up? Does the Missouri yeah. the defense showed up against the Missouri show up, or does the defense show up that was against Sanford? Yeah. Uh, hopefully the uh, defense that showed up last week with with Grantham gone and and you know all of our beloved assistants that we loved all for four years are gone. Yeah, um, I'm hoping that the defense plays like it did last time. And, and and with Anthony Richardson in there, and I know a lot of fans are going to be excited about it. So am I. I'm a big Anthony Richardson guy. We'll finally get to see him play a team that's not the number one defense in the nation and see if he can maybe get his feet. I mean, we saw what he did to LSU. He he yeah. he ripped LSU, man. Like it it was every single drive except for one. It was that last drive was a touchdown drive, and he scored within like two minutes. So I'm man, I'm curious to see what Anthony Richardson can do. I'm hoping he can stay healthy because if he goes down, then we're down to Del Rio and Kitna, and you don't want to you don't want that happening. <laughs> At, no, I mean you don't. But you know, I'll say this, and and that is, you know, if if Anthony's not fully healthy. You're playing, you know, you're not playing for much. Um, you know, don't risk, you know, having a, a situation turn out to him be, you know, you know, mess something up worse to where he misses spring football or something. So, um, you know, you have to be careful with that for sure. Um, and, I, and I'm sure they are. I mean, I, I'm not uh, – I don't think that they would by any means. But uh, it will be. It'll be interesting. Uh, again, I'm very, very curious to see just – how the play calling is, you know, do they open it up and allow Anthony to take some deep shots in this game or, or do they kind of go conservative and 
get Anthony, you know, just I hope into don't. the game a little bit? Where does it go? I hope not either. I mean, listen, it's you're, you're both five and five. Both teams are just average to okay. Go out and air it out. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's what Florida State's thinking too. They got nothing to lose, really. I guess to gain a bowl game, uh, Florida State's now won five of its last seven games, which is their total wins for the season. <laughs> uh, the total average margin of victory between Florida State's five wins is 15 points. The uh, biggest one is coming from a 59 to three victory over Massachusetts. The rest of the opponents they beat were by three, ten, three, and three. So Florida State's won five games but they've had really, really close games when they've won those last four games. So how good is Florida State really? I don't think they're that good. Florida should beat them, and I hope that they do. They don't have the same assistance that they got now. And, uh, you know, speaking of Anthony Richardson, I mean, Malik Davis in the press conference said Anthony Richardson is looking good, and he's back. Uh, But I did hear that Mullen had called Greg Knox and told him that Anthony was still injured, so I'm not sure about that. But... (laughs) But yeah, man. Uh, um, yeah, I mean, you know, we'll uh, we'll, we'll just have to see, you know, uh, on on Anthony. I mean, I don't know. Uh, I don't. I don't know how. You know, I don't know how injured he was um, the last few weeks. I don't know. You know how um, how he's you know rebounded. I've heard it's a little bit of his hamstring still bothering him a little bit. Um, if that's the case, then. You know, you, you you have some concern there because a hamstring is one of those things where the, the more you play on it, the, the more of a risk you run in just tearing it, and you don't want to do that. Um, you know, so you, you run that risk more so than like an ankle sprain or something where, you know, an ankle sprain, you're not, it's not going to really get worse. It's how do you handle the pain? So, um, you know, that'll be something to watch in this game as well. And, you know, how does this offensive line play? They didn't play very well last week. How do they play this week? Yeah, and, and actually I was trying to depict a part, some stats that were maybe uneven on both parts. Uh, the turnover margin obviously is not going to go in our favor. We're like almost dead last in the nation in turnover margin. And that's just courtesy of the all the interceptions and all that that we threw at the beginning of the year. Um, right. I don't and the really, lack of interceptions. <laughs> yeah, the lack of, right. Uh, Florida State's turnover margin per game is actually negative 0.1. It's not, it's not really that good either. It's like 72nd in the nation. But I did see a stat that jumped out to me. Sacks mm-hmm. given up per game. Florida's given up 1.1 sack a game. That's 10th in the nation. Florida State, they're giving up an average of 3.3 sacks, 118th in the nation. So their offensive line isn't that good. Um, and, and we do have a pretty good – I think our defensive line is going to get sacks. Zachary Carter, what I saw from him last week, he played pretty good. And I know Missouri's offensive line is a lot better than Florida State's offensive line. So I'm hoping these guys up the front and the defensive line can eat this whole game, get some sacks, get some turnovers. Uh, but, you know, sacks given per game, they're tied. Florida and Florida State on average, 2.7, both tied for 27th in the nation. So Florida State sacking people too, just like we yeah. are. But I think we have the better offensive line, to be honest. Oh, 100%. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's just, uh, like you said, it's one of those things where, you know, who who shows up, what team shows up on Saturday, and, you know, do, what team – and this may be the biggest thing. What team comes out with the most energy? Yeah. I mean, that's what it's going to really boil down to. And I think Florida at home in Gainesville, senior night, they're going to come out with energy anyway. And I, and actually, 
listening to Greg Knox press conference, and I, I'll go ahead and give Knox some credit because he gets a lot of crap out there on social media for recruiting and all that and switching running backs, which I don't agree with either. And we've given him crap all year. I really liked what I heard from him in the press conference, man. He's he's he came out there, and I remember him saying he wants to win the game. His players want to win this game, and he said he's going to go out right. He basically almost promised to win in the press conference because that's, I mean, like he wants to win the game. And you kept know, saying rivalry, rivalry, rivalry. Yep. Yeah. And, and oh. that's that. And he put emphasis on that. He really wants to win the game. And, and I can't really comment on, on Greg Knox's interim coaching status. All I know is he's 1 0 and he, he's able to beat Lamar Jackson. But Mississippi State's defense that year was pretty good. I mean, they held to, I think they lost Alabama by like seven points that year. Uh, so. It'll be interesting to see, man. It's uh, it's a game that's going to be, unfortunately, a noon game. I, I really wish this was a night game, like a 7 o'clock game. I always love those Florida-Florida State night games for some reason. Unfortunately, it's a noon game because nobody is ranked. Uh, history shows, though, and I'm going to go ahead and put this one out there. Florida State has outscored Florida 127 to 118 in the last five meetings. Florida oh. has outscored Florida State 81 to 31 in the last two meetings. This will also be Florida State's second trip to the Swamp in a row due to not playing in 2020. Over the past 20 years, Florida and Florida State are neck and neck and wins. 10 for 10, Florida State and Florida. And that's not counting the 2020 game. So I went back and I looked at the 2000 to 2021. So, yeah, I mean, it's pretty even across the slate. Um, I'm hoping that we can uneven that real quick here this Saturday. And, you know, right now the spread is at, it looks like negative 2.5 for Florida. So they're the favorite. The uh, ESPN matchup predictor has them at a 72.7% chance to win the game, and that's for Florida. Florida State, 27.3% chance to win. And looking at, and I'd have to go look this stat up, but I don't know how I'm going to find it. How right is ESPN on their matchup predictor? How many times has Florida been in favor of the ESPN matchup predictor and still lost or still won? Right. Yeah, that's a good point. I don't know. Um, Yeah, I mean, you know, it'll, um, I I don't know. I don't really, you know, worry too much in this game about, okay, this team's the favorite, that team's the favorite. It's a rivalry game. You can you can throw all that stuff out the window when when it comes time to, you know, to kick the ball off because th- these guys, a lot of these guys don't like each other. You know, there is uh, yeah. a lot of these guys that either play together in high school or, or played seven-on-seven seven ball together or, you know, something along those lines, uh, you know, played travel basketball together or stuff. Uh, so there's always a connection there. Um, you got several guys, Kyrie Elam and Jordan Travis, played on the same team together. Um, so you got a lot of guys that played together too. Um it's 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 a good game and you don't worry too much about records and and all that stuff i mean ron's won the game that year um will muschamp and treon harris won so you know you you get some weird ones like always um who comes out with the energy on saturday and um who comes out you know just wanting it more and then that's the thing you know that the seniors are going to come out with some energy, but how did the rest of the team kind of come out? Um, and then, you know, again, how do I, if I, if I'm Garrett McGee, how do I go about calling plays? You know, do I trust that Anthony's fully healthy and ready to do everything? Um, do I have a limited playbook there? You know, if I'm not Garrett McGee, obviously, but that's a question I'd have to be asking myself. Yeah. I was wondering, I was wondering if Gonzalez would have called, offensive plays in this game 
instead of Garrett McGee. I don't know which one would be better or worse. I, I really don't. I would want Garrett McGee calling my place. That's what I was saying. I was. I, I mean, uh, Billy Gonzalez calling my place. I'd want Garrett McGee calling my place. Yeah. I mean, Billy, Billy Gonzalez hasn't shown me anything that he's even close to being ready to call plays. <laughs> yeah. Uh, There's a reason Billy Gonzalez has never called plays in his 14 years is under Dan Mullen. At least he can recruit decently. I won't say great, but decently. Yeah. Um, there's a reason Brian Johnson, you know, was going to get to call plays. Yeah, um, that, exactly. Well, I mean, <laughs> like I said, man, you got Anthony Richardson in this game. Maybe he can be the difference, and and hopefully he stays healthy the whole game. And 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 if we somehow beat the Florida State Seminoles at home, we get an extra game with Greg Knox. Can he be three and zero? We'll see. In the what the Tony the Tiger Bowl, since we only won six games, Andrew. What will it be? The uh, Idaho Potato Bowl, the Birmingham Bowl, probably. Um, Hopefully, I they don't have would... another crapping accident like they did at the Birmingham Bowl. Ooh. <laughs> that was that's a miserable place to go play football. Let me just let me just tell you. <laughs> let hey, me sh- just tell you, it's not a good place. Let's uh, let's pick some games around the country, my friend. Shout out to Adam Lane out there too. I'm just kidding, man. Yeah, that was that was hilarious. Uh, that was the last time Florida had an interim coach coaching a bowl game. Yeah, that's DJ true. Durkin won that bowl game. Uh, let's pick some games all around the country. This one's uh, interesting to me. Mississippi State's a favorite over Ole Miss in Starksville on Thanksgiving night. Yeah, I could probably see that because Mississippi State's been playing really, really good lately, and Ole Miss uh, had kind of a shaky game against Vanderbilt last week. They still won, but just not an not an impressive win, I would say. Who you got? It's hard. I, I I will pick Mississippi State. Ole Miss defense gives up a lot, and uh, Mississippi State's they're averaging almost thirty two points per game. They've looked very impressive down the road. They've gotten better as the years went on, and it looks like Ole Miss. I mean, I don't. I think they've gotten worse as the years went on. I, I'm going to go ahead and pick Mississippi State. Does uh does does Mike Leach make it there and not be in a food coma? <laughs> well, he does like gummy bears, so. And candy corn and candy corn Snickers and any other candy I think he named because he named like fifty of them. You candy <laughs> the corn nerd guy? things, the nerd gummies he named them, and uh, yeah, that's uh, that was that was good. Uh, here's a, here's a sneaky one. Does uh, Texas snap their five game losing streak against Kansas State on Friday? Nope. I think Texas goes down with the hammer. Sark gonna take some pressure. Yeah, he will be. What is this? What first year? Nope. Yeah, first Jeez. year. So, uh, I'm gonna go. Well, first off, I'm gonna go Lane Kiffin in in game one. I'm gonna go Ole Miss, okay. and I'm gonna go Kansas State in this one. Uh, let's move over to uh, the big house. Ohio State travels up to Michigan. Does Michigan snap the losing streak? Ooh, no, man. I, I think Ohio State's primed for that playoff, man. And what they did to Michigan State last week, and, and I don't think Michigan State was as good as they were ranked, but, man, dude, they they took them to town, dude. That game wasn't even close. What, I think it was 49-0 to zero at halftime. I watched most of that game. I think just about everyone in America watched that noon game last week because right. it was the only good noon game. Um, yeah, I'm picking Ohio State, definitely. What is it? Is it, like, 13 in a row? For, oh, for Ohio State and Michigan? Yeah, I know Harbaugh's never beat Ohio State. Yeah, what is it? Let me let me let me hit the quick Google thing real quick because uh, it's a long losing streak. 
That's an eight um, point spread too. Um, yeah, um, but uh, but they are um, uh, Michigan is is playing better. So you you do have to remember that. I mean, they are playing better, and now they don't have to worry about Michigan State of being being ahead of them. So, yeah. Let's see. Here it is. It is eight straight. Eight straight. Um, Jeez, yeah, eight, eight straight. straight. Wow. <laughs> wow. It's not. Uh, they're seventeen and two. Um, Ohio State is since two thousand and one. Good grief, man. <laughs> that ain't even a rivalry. No wonder Michigan fans <laughs> hate Ohio State. <laughs> the team up north. Well, as soon as the game was over against State, Michigan State on Saturday, Ohio State uh, Ryan Day was already talking about the team up north. Yeah, and how he was, you know, ready to go play the team up north. So, uh, props to him. I got Buckeyes. They're they're ready for the playoffs. And uh, I mean, for whatever reason, Harbaugh just don't win this game. I think they beat Michigan by over 20 points. Really? Yeah. No, it's I do. that bad. Ohio, Ohio State's that good. Ohio State is is scoring the most points in the country at 47.2. Yeah. But, uh, Michigan's at 36.9. Right under them is Alabama, which we'll get into next because I want to get into that. Yeah. Let's, uh, I'm saving that one, I think. Let me see if there's another good one. I'm just going through – just going through the top 25 schedules here. That might be it. Oh, nope. Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. Ooh. I'm still uh, – that's hard. I'm going to pick Oklahoma State. The distractions uh, with Lincoln Riley? Yep. <laughs> that's what I was thinking, too. You, like I was, I was thinking really quick, and I'm like, well, Lincoln Riley might be leaving. And then – Yeah. I, mm, is it Rattler? Cowboys. Is Rattler their quarterback again? I don't know. It changes like I was somebody say, changes underwear. It, it seems it like, like I mean five times. Yeah, goes back and forth. Yeah, I, I've got a, uh, I've got Oklahoma State too, Cowboys. All right, let's go to the Iron Bowl. Iron Bowl. Alabama, nineteen and a half point favorites. They did drop in the college football playoff poll, though. They're third now behind Ohio State. So Saban's got a little fuel to add to his fire against Auburn, and looks like Brian Hartson is trying to get out of Auburn, but nobody wants to take him. Yeah. I I would pick Alabama this game, but always I always tell people to watch this game, man, because this Iron Bowl, it, 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 it never matters where these teams are ranked, and sometimes Auburn just pulls out a victory out of their butt for no reason. Gus Malzahn is proof for that. Yeah. Gus Malzahn kept his job at Auburn because he found, you know, stupid ways to, to beat um, Alabama. And I say stupid ways. I don't mean stupid ways. But, uh, you know, the kick sits. Yeah. Just, you know, crazy, you know, ways of winning the game. And and that's what uh, that's what happens. This game's always a, a, a close one. But Auburn's not very good. I mean, no Bo Nick. So they got T.J. Finley, and he's not very good. And, I got Alabama rolling in this game. Saban's pissed, I'm sure. I got Bama. Yeah, and and I'll tell you this, too. When I watched Auburn play Georgia, Auburn's receivers can't catch a ball. They can't. No. Uh, no. I'm picking Alabama all the way. It could be be bad, too. (laughs) Could be bad, yeah. Well, let's talk next week, that Bama-Georgia game. I'm really interested to see how Bama matches up with Georgia because I I think that there's a hole – in Georgia's secondary that Bama can exploit. Yeah. 
Uh, South Carolina and Clemson. What about that one? Oh, yeah. It's a sellout. Yeah. Uh, seven, what is it? 730 Bryce, game. Bryce, whatever that stadium is, um, is sold out this week. Uh, Beamer's bowling, man. They beat uh, beat Auburn to go bowling. So uh, I'm going to go with the upset. Beamer ball. I'm going to go with the upset, too, just because they beat Florida, and I don't want mm-hmm. to feel bad about it. So, yeah, I'll go with the upset. What, but Clemson a, what is, a year that would be for Beamer. Clemson is playing good defense, though. Just not good yeah, offense. But what a year that would be for Beamer if he beat not only Clemson, but Florida, too. Yeah, I know, right? The first year with <laughs> – I remember him saying – never beat Clemson. So, yeah, wow. There's that one would more. be something. There's an unranked versus ranked, which might be good. Penn State and Michigan State might be good. I mean, James Franklin. Yeah, I think well, whoever State's his good. agent is, hats off to you, brother. Yeah, right. How do you get paid? How do you get paid more money to go seven and four? <laughs> uh, seven and four the last two years, right? Yeah. <laughs> Jeez, man. Like I said, pay me the money and I'll just sit at home like like Dan is. Jeez, man. He is recruiting well, but that's about it. I had somebody tell me this today, though. Billy Napier goes to Florida and Dan Mullen goes to Louisiana Lafayette. <laughs> and you just trade coaches. <laughs> Just an even trade across the board. <laughs> All right, Louisiana Lafayette, you paid twelve million dollar buyout. <laughs> yeah, so that's what I don't get. A lot of people are like, "Well, uh, you shouldn't make fun of somebody that got fired." I'm sorry, I'm making fun of somebody that got fired if they just collected twelve million dollars. They'll be fine. They're not out on the street. That they have, you know, they have housing, food, and I'm pretty sure Dan Mullen's got millions of other dollars left over in his bank account. He'll be fine. <laughs> Here's the thing, I don't. I've been in the business. I understand the business. It's, it's not, you know, it's not fun. It's it, at times there's bad parts to it and there's good parts to it. And I'm not making fun of this situation. Uh, and I'm going to say this and then, then we can move on. But like I said before, when you treat people poorly, it comes back to bite you. And this is not me being a media person who someone said, Oh, he peed my cornflakes. He, he never did nothing to me personally. To me personally, he never did nothing to me. To people I know in the coaching business, to players he coached, that's who he hurt and showed his true colors. Things he did in his personal life, that kind of stuff is what I'm talking about. As far as what he did to me, he didn't do nothing to me. I never interacted with the guy. He made me cry this year. Recruiting and, and, and winning loss totals, he did something to me, damn it. <laughs> I mean, he made football not fun this year. That's for sure. I mean, it's uh, these last, what, really since week four, right, Tennessee? Yeah. God. Is that week four? Then he lost. Yeah, week four of the season. It has not been fun. Yeah. Lost to Kentucky twice. Had a close win against Alabama. Our best, lo- our best win was the close loss to Alabama. That was our best win this whole season. You realize that, Spivey. <laughs> I mean – Wow, how things went quickly after the Alabama game. Yeah, that's crazy, wow. man. It's been a mess. Wow, wow, wow. All right, David, sign us out of here, man. We'll get out of here. We hope everybody had a good Thanksgiving. I know you're listening to this on Friday, hopefully, and uh, uh, had a good Thanksgiving. Be safe out there and enjoy the game. And uh, make sure to check out Gator Country. got our Black Friday special going on, too. Um, so check that out. Make sure you're checking us out and uh, getting the, getting all the coaching info and uh you know, that's, that's the way you can support us with the podcast is by 
by uh, joining Gator Country on the Black Friday special. Good deal. That's right. I'll be retweeting that link out there, too, on Twitter, uh, along with Spivey and all that, just to keep reminding you guys, Black Friday special here. Is it like 20%? It's $20 off for a year, correct? I think so. $20 off for the year, I believe. I think that's what I saw. But it is a Black Friday special. I have a free membership, so uh, I haven't taken a look at it, David. Man, Spivey's taking everybody's money. You heard it here first. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Yeah. Yeah, definitely. No, we really do, guys. We appreciate it so much. Sorry for the uh, the negativity in the uh, in the podcast the last few weeks, but I guarantee you this: brighter days are ahead for Florida, and brighter days are ahead for the podcast. Yes, that is correct. And Greg Knox is going to get a victory here at home and be two and zero, undisputed, undefeated champion here in the swamp. He just needs to be a traveling interim coach. You know, if the team needs an interim coach, call Greg Knox. It's kind of like a substitute teacher almost. Yeah, it's like a substitute teacher. Oh, you're firing your coach? Oh, hold on. Greg will be here in a minute. Greg Knox, who I want, is my interim. Something happens. I'll say this. Greg Knox don't stay in the SEC for 27 years unless he's a good coach. He can, right. He's got some recruiting problems, but he's a good football coach. That's right. And good luck to Greg Knox. Good luck to this team in Gainesville here. And hopefully they can smash Florida State one more time for us with Anthony Richardson. Yeah. Hats off to the seniors, by the way. Yeah, hats um, off. Props to all the seniors, Zach Carter, uh, all the seniors. I won't try to name them all, but hats off to these guys, Damian Pierce. Um, props to you guys. No, it hasn't been the easiest for you guys, but uh, once a Gator, always a Gator. Yep, once a Gator, always a Gator. And I would love to sit here and go down the whole list of seniors and tell them how much I do appreciate them, but we don't have enough time. We're actually running yeah. out of time on the podcast. So, for, for Andrew Spivey and for David Soderquist, this will end the GatorCountry.com podcast. You can follow me at GC on Twitter, and you can follow Andrew Spivey at Andrew Spivey GC on Twitter as well. That'll wrap it up, folks, for this episode of the GatorCountry.com podcast. Go, Greg Knox.